Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. football podcast here on the believe podcast network the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every new york football team and their fans do you believe i'm your host steven tino rodriguez and welcome back to another edition of the new york football podcast you can check us out on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify and of course the believe website BLEAV.com. Like, download, subscribe, rate. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod and at Tino Rodriguez. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show after a news filled weekend at the NFL Combine. I'm going to give you guys my biggest standouts and takeaways for both the Jets and the Giants and my players to keep an eye on for both teams as the draft is nearing one month away. I'll also recap the New York Guardians' bounce-back effort at home against the LA Wildcats. But to get us started, I'm going to dive into some news from Big Blue. So as the New York Giants get prepared to draft inside the top 10 for the fourth time over the last five seasons, the NFL Combine is of course a very critical thing to watch as a big blue fan because, you know, drafting fourth overall, you're going to get first dibs at one of those standouts and high praise guys, especially coming out of the draft, uh, out of the Combine and those pro days. So now, especially in a year like this year, with a quarterback-heavy mindset coming in, at least within the top five, the Giants having Daniel Jones, you would think they're in a good spot to get a best defense player available. Now, for many, that is Chase Young. For someone like myself, it's Isaiah Simmons. And now we'll get into the prospects later on. But now, the reason I mentioned the quarterback-centric draft class and mindset uh, and having Daniel Jones is because before the combine actually even started, uh, New York media... Couldn't wait to jump on Joe Judge, refusing to drop any names per player and uh, really give an identity to what his team's going to look like other than they're going to go out and compete every day, similar to what they said or what he said in his opening press conference. Now, what happened was a very headline-grabbing thing where he didn't necessarily commit to Daniel Jones and didn't want to, but what they didn't do or what many of you probably didn't hear is the entire quote. So what I found what I found would be needed is to play the quote for you guys to kind of give you a little background on what exactly he said before we really nitpick and, you know, defend the fact that Daniel Jones is going to be set to be the franchise quarterback 
moving forward and at least in the foreseeable future. I'll kind of be very upfront with everyone right now in terms of how I'm going to deal with analyzing specific players. I want you to understand this because it's important to me. Every one of our players is going to come here with a blank slate and be able to compete from the ground up from day one. And I'm not going to establish any kind of status or hierarchy within the individual players or position groups by spending a month talking about individuals. That's important to me, and I want you guys to understand my reason for that. I can't tell everyone that they've got an equal slate and they show up on April 7th and I've spent a month talking about a specific player. Okay, Everyone's got the same opportunity on a daily basis to compete. So I respect the question about the individuals. Trust me, we've analyzed everyone top to bottom, inside out. We've talked about it. Coaches, scouts, personnel, player development, team security. We're getting to know everything we can possibly know about who we have on our roster, as well as everyone looking to bring in and join our roster as well. Uh, but my reason for not going into individual players at this point is it's important that our players understand the only thing that's going to be relevant is how they perform from day one moving forward, that the past is irrelevant. So obviously when you listen to that quote, at no point is he saying that Daniel Jones is not the guy on this team. And to be honest with you guys, I have zero issue with what he said. Because if you're going to change a program or a franchise that has been consistently losing, I mean, one, you ideally have to definitely wipe the slate clean because if you just continue to ponder on the mistakes you've made, you're just going to sink yourself into that losing hole again and again. Now, back to Daniel Jones, obviously you'd love for a head coach to come in and commit to your quarterback. But now you just drafted Daniel Jones inside the top 10. He's your first quarterback drafted in the first round since the other future of the franchise, Eli Manning. So without saying it in so many words, you know, to anybody who follows the Giants, it's very clear that Daniel Jones is the guy. He took the last snap with the Giants last year. He's going to be the guy, okay? But with that said, when you listen to what he's actually saying, it's very hard to change a program if you're picking favorites right out of the gate. And now... In Daniel Jones' defense, he hasn't necessarily done anything yet. Now, he threw over 3,000 yards and had a very stout rookie season. But to fall on the sword as a first-year head coach on a quarterback going into his second year is something I'm sure Joe Judge has learned in the past through Belichick and Saban is not a route you'll ideally want to take. So in order to do that, in order to set a precedent, a winning precedent, you're not picking favorites. Everybody on the team has to come compete for their job every day. Now, the more concerning thing for me was not what Joe Judge said. But I actually found no issue with anything the judge said in the entire like 20-minute press conference. But in steps GM Dave Gettleman, and it's they're just two polar opposite people. Judge is a man of very little words very straight to the point, very football eccentric. He's a football guy who wants to win and knows that it's going to take hard work and change if you're going to do that, especially for a team like the Giants who haven't done that lately. Now, Dave Gettleman, who has been with the Giants, ideally hiring a new head coach, you would think he would be ready to turn the page and turn a corner and really just you know, embody the idea of not rebuilding because he has yet to ever commit to that, but admitting that things have to be ran differently. But instead, Gettleman serves out these quotes that are just so concerning at the fact that 
This is the guy running and pulling the strings at the top of the organization. Nothing's, not, nothing's going to change. Really and truly, I'll address that question. Offense is offense, right? Okay, somebody snaps it, somebody catches it, and then you're either running or throwing. Okay, defense is a little more nuances in, in different systems, Jordan. So because we had moved to base, a base five on the line, system it's really not going to change a bunch on defense but no he you know we'll be fine i i view daniel jones as going into his second year and learning how to be an nfl quarterback i mean to say nothing's going to change under a full-blown explosion of a coaching staff a, a completely different regime including a guy who is a head coach for the dallas cowboys as now your offensive coordinator Say the offense isn't going to change and that the defense is, you know, just because the scheme up front, we're going to get five men on the line of scrimmage. That's it. It's 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 just crazy. His X's and O's talk when he gets gets to the mic just makes no sense. But I will say the ending there is like, okay, Daniel Jones, he's a second year quarterback, still has stuff to prove, so on and so forth. He has to learn how to be a pros pro NFL guy. For sure, that's his way of trying to do what Judge does and not, you know, pat too many people on the back. But then he would go on in the press conference to then say a comment on what he thinks Daniel Jones will do this upcoming season in his second year. And this was his response. You know, you know, you don't you don't put you can't put expectations on it. You know, why should you? Why should you put the pressure on the on the kid? It's not fair, okay? It's no different than the expectations your bosses have for you guys. Second year in writing reports, they expect better reports. Ten years in, they expect real good reports. So it's just, you know, I'm not putting expectations on anybody. So obviously, with no longer than speaking 30 seconds on his potential franchise quarterback, Dave Gettleman completely contradicts himself, says he puts no expectation on Daniel Jones, wouldn't be fair. He wants the kid to go out there and do his thing, but then tries to tie it into what a reporter's job is and that by the second year and by the 10th year, it needs to be better and better. So he's then essentially saying that his expectation is for Daniel Jones to be better, which if you're going to say it, don't just backtrack or like throw an analogy in there to say it. If you try to take the judge route and you just can't do it, just speak about your players then. You're the GM. Talk about them openly. If your head coach doesn't want to talk about them, they're just, that's okay. I understand you want to try to follow the same route, but you, it just looks silly that you're going to say there's no expectation on him, but then try to say that things should get better. Or without exactly saying it, just telling reporters that come year two, things should get better. So Dave Gettleman is just a head scratcher. Now, luckily for Giants fans, we pick fourth overall. So if we just stick there and don't necessarily trade back, it's a take the best player available situation, and I don't know if he can mess that up too much. But if they decide to try to trade back, it is very concerning on what could go wrong for the Giants. For me, I would I understand that they can trade back and take one of the many tackles and lineman prospects out there. There's even some late defensive prospects that are worth a grab mid-round. 
But the issue is, I just don't know what this man is capable of doing when pulling the strings. So for Giants fans, let's just hope if there's a team that decides to trade up for a quarterback or do something sporadic, it's the Redskins or the Lions or even the Bengals who decide to do something that the current mock drafts aren't projecting or decide to make a trade that you know no one sees coming. Because right now it seems like the Giants would be the team to trade back, as Gettleman said in his interview, in his press conference, that they're open for business and they're going to consider all packages available. Um, I would just much rather and prefer they sit tight and get that guy that'll be there. Now, I've already said that guy for me is Isaiah Simmons, and we'll get into the prospects and the combine results a little later on. But there's also some other people now. So if they trade back and they'll, you know can still stay inside the top 10, then it's worth a consideration. But if they move too far out, um, I would hold, hold, hold onto that fourth pick. Now, sticking with NFL Combine press conferences, the Jets GM, Joe Douglas, also had some interesting comments uh, when he took the podium to address his team. And uh, within the first minute, the first question that many Jet fans wanted answered, uh, it's a question I tried to answer myself on this program uh, several times over the last couple of weeks, and it was addressing all-pro safety, Jamal Adams. Jamal is an unbelievable player, as, as we, we talked about at the end of season meeting. You know, um, we're excited. We're excited about Jamal. Um, you know, the plan is for Jamal to be a Jet for life. You know, um, we've had we've had some preliminary uh, talks with his agent. I'm not going to get into the specifics of that. Um, but again, you know, the plan, the plan is for uh, Jamal to be here a long time. So obviously there's nothing too new in that situation, as I've kept you guys updated over the last couple of weeks. But if there's one thing you could take away from Douglas's comments is that they want him in New York. And they're addressing the fact that although he's not Sam Darnold and he doesn't play quarterback, he is arguably the face of the franchise. He is right now, head over shoulders, the best player on their team. He's an all-pro. And whether it is they decide to give him the highest-paying safety money in the league that's going to be where the negotiation is, and that's why he doesn't want to talk about that. But in terms of having to get the deal done, I think it's very clear on all ends, especially in the Jets camp, that it needs to get done. Jamal Adams should be a Jet for life, or they should at least give him an extension uh, with some options there that he'll be a Jet for uh, at least the next half decade. So encouraging on the Jamal Adams front, uh, something not so discour- uh, not so encouraging more discouraging was the tweet Robbie Anderson decided to send out as of Monday morning said he's pretty much going to leave New York his tweet was March is about to be an epic month new beginnings new experience new blessings more growth and safety now I retweeted this you can check it on our Twitter at NY football pod um but that's a very subliminal tweet and it doesn't necessarily say he's gone from New York but it seems very certain with him saying new beginnings, new experience, he's addressing the fact that he's going to uh, change the color of his uniform entering the upcoming season. Now, another piece of off-season news um, that also affects... Now, Robbie Anderson's news will affect it, but this will also affect it because depending who the Jets decide to sign, uh, they're sitting in a nice little spot in the draft where a player or a very good player is going to either fall to them or they could reach and get the pickings at the next best player available on the board in terms of either wide receiver or offensive tackle. So over the week, the Jets were linked to one of the best 
free agent tackles in the league right now in Jack Conklin uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Pro Football Focus reported that Conklin and the Jets had a very mutual interest and that the deal was potentially going to get done. But hours later, Adam Schefter came out and reported that nothing is finalized, nothing is official, and that the Jets will actually have their work cut out for them because there are going to be many people in the market for Conklin, as he deserves, but that this is far from set in stone, and uh, they're going to have to give up some money if they really want to sign Conklin, or they're going to have to battle for him. Uh, So they're a good fit for him, but now, with Anderson surely going, and if they can't pull off this Conklin deal, the Jets have an interesting decision to make in the upcoming draft. So with that said, we're going to take a look at some of the top performers and uh, prospects to look at for both the Giants and the Jets uh, based on this past weekend's NFL Combine. So before diving into the prospects that participated in the NFL Combine, I think it may be best to start with the guys who didn't. And I think it's worth noting that three of the projected top five picks on the upcoming NFL Draft did not participate in this weekend's combine, that being Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and Chase Young. But now, for anyone participating in the draft, I'm sure that didn't bother him even the slightest. As you know, Joe Burrow is slated to be the number one overall pick, and Chase Young slated to be the number two overall pick. Um, it left the doors wide open for those other guys in the mix there to really make a name for themselves and shine, especially with those guys not participating. Now, to get us started, I'm going to start in a position that both the Giants and Jets could find themselves easily taking um, at 4 and 11, or even if the Giants trade back, um, wherever they end up landing, could find them uh, find themselves taking an offensive lineman. Now, uh, someone I think who won the draft um, and definitely shined the most in the offensive lineman category is none other than Tristan Wirfs. Um, he was slated and projected in the top 10 already, but he made his case that much better with his performance at the Combine. The Iowa standout stood out even more, posting a 10-foot, 1-inch broad jump, which was tied for the best from alignment since 2018. He had a 36.5-inch vertical, which was the best by a lineman since 2003. The man ran a 4.86 40-yard dash, um, to put that into perspective, they lined him up with uh, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> on a, on his 40-yard dash. He played in 33 of 35 possible games in college. And the way he was moving out there, the athleticism he showed, uh, he played tackle. He can easily be moved inside, in my opinion, to play guard. Uh, by far, I think, overall the most athletic tackle or lineman that showed up at the Combine. And um, that's not a knock on the other guys. That's just a shout-out to how well he really performed and improved his draft uh, draft stock with his performance. Now, coming in right behind, and this is a guy I talked to you guys before about, and Mekhi Becton. Uh, he is well-known for being the biggest man at the draft, sitting in at, uh, weighing in at 364 pounds. Uh, Becton ran a 5'11", 40-yard dash, and looked really mobile in his drills. Um, His size, he is a pure tackle through and through, 
whether you put him on the left or right side, I think uh, will be something he has to grow into. But the man weighs 364 pounds, and they put his synced-up time for his 40 up against Dwayne Haskins last season. So that puts that into perspective for you guys as well. And last but not least from the linemen is uh, Jedrick Willis Jr. Uh, he ran a 505, 40-yard dash. And uh, most notably, uh, during one of the drills, was so powerful on the pads, he literally knocked over one of the linemen coaches that was uh, they were helping with the drill, knocked his hat clean off his head, and uh, really shook him up there for a second. And it caught the eyes of a lot of guys there. Um, another note on Willis Jr. is that he allowed one sack in 929 pass dropback reps. So any three of those guys um, would be a solid grab for any of these teams, whether it be the Giants or the Jets, as they both desperately need some offensive lineman help. As far as the Giants, I think Werfs would be a better fit, especially to fix that right guard position, although Zeitler did a very good job at that. Um, you never know, maybe then you transition Werfs to the right tackle position, but versatility is never necessarily a bad thing on the offensive line. Um, as far as the Jets, I'm sure Mekhi Becton would look real good, or Willis Jr. as well especially with their physicality and their size. Now, the issue with the Jets is that with Robbie Anderson going and possibly signing Jack Conklin, that means the Jets may, in the, may be in the business of getting one of the top wide receivers in this draft. And as of right now, there very easily could be five receivers drafted in this first round. Um, and let's go into, dive into this wide receiver combined class and... It was the Henry Ruggs III show, um, at least leading up to the 40-yard dash. He was projected, or at least allegedly said, to be ready to beat John Ross's 4-2-2 record. He ran a 4-2-8, and uh, that's pretty much as close as it, you know, as it's going to get. Uh, a lot of people just see that as a number and not don't really appreciate how fast 4-2-8 already is or how fast 4-2-2 is. But nonetheless, Ruggs gave it his all. And still ranks amongst the top 10 all-time in NFL 40-yard dashes. Now, uh, Ruggs did add insult to injury. He didn't beat the time. And in his second attempt, ran a 4-3-1, which then resulted in, in him having an undisclosed injury, which held him out of the workouts for the rest of the day. Nonetheless, um, Ruggs still improved his draft stock and is projected to be a first-round pick, whether he be the first wide receiver off the board we'll see because he has his own teammate Jerry Judy to compete with uh, speaking of Judy Judy had a solid 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 uh, outing in the combine for himself he is projected to be the top wide receiver off the board he ran a 4-4-6 40 yard dash and uh, as if that speed isn't enough for you he can stop on a dime he showed it in the route running drills and uh, this season if you put on the tape he is the best route runner in the uh, in this current draft class. So Judy's 4046 just proves that not only can he stop on a dime, but he can also run past you if need be. Uh, right after Judy in the projected rankings would be CeeDee Lamb, who also had himself a uh, really good outing. Uh, 4 5 one, 40 yard dash, and in my opinion, probably has the best hands in the draft class. Uh, you saw that throughout the drills. He had a crazy catch and finish during the new and approved goal line fades drill. Um, I think ideally for the Jets, it'd be Judy or Lamb. Although, 
if any of those guys happen to go in the top 10 and they have to decide between those those other two, the Jets can't really miss on any of them. Ruggs is more of a Robbie Anderson type player, a home run threat, so he can fill in right where Anderson left off um, if need be. But I think Judy and CeeDee Lamb would be the next upper echelon of players. Um, and also, shout out to Justin Jefferson. Um, this is a guy maybe the Jets won't actually have on their radar uh, unless they come back into the first round and decide to take a lineman and want to get a wide receiver late in the first round. Uh, Justin Jefferson from LSU. Guy ran a 4-4-4, 40-yard dash. Uh, had the most receptions in LSU wide receivers, uh, in the history of LSU wide receivers, uh, who of course include Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. A very impressive company. Uh, guy's a touchdown scorer, touchdown maker, and is going to be a valuable asset late in the first round to whichever team decides to take him. Now, the moment I've been waiting for all show is to hype up my guy, Isaiah Simmons, the best defensive player in the draft. Uh, this is my opinion, of course, because Chase Young would rank right before him. And as some people like to say, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback uh, from Ohio State, could also rank ahead of him. Uh, Okuda, to me, didn't have as much of a standout uh, combine as Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons ran a 4.39 40-yard dash. I mean, blazing speed. He has a six foot two thirty frame. He plays four different positions on defense. An eleven foot broad jump, thirty nine inch vertical. Uh, to me, I'm not even remotely surprised he had the outing and performance he did. Um, but big shout out to him for doing that. Uh, I think it hurts the Giants' chances of maybe drafting him because the Lions should be looking at him as well. I think the Redskins would be silly to not look at him and really actually consider their options. Uh, I know Chase Young had 16 and a half sacks this year, and that's amazing in itself. Another guy you can put on the tape and really uh, judge without needing a combine. And, of course, he'll have a pro day and all that good stuff. But to me, Isaiah Simmons really uh, made his presence felt and is deserving to uh, to be considered as one of those top three picks. Um, ideally, I need him to go to four for the New York Giants, but... Uh, again, I think he was the standout for me, um, aside from Tristan Wirfs and uh, some of those wide receiver candidates. Also, shout out to uh, running back Jonathan Taylor, who uh, turned some heads with his 40-yard dash as well. Of course, the Jets have Le'Veon Bell, and the Giants have Saquon Barkley, so it doesn't seem like they'll be in the running back uh, category early on in the draft, where Taylor will probably be taken. But nonetheless, he had a solid outing from the running back position. On that note, we're going to switch over to the XFL and talk about our New York Guardians getting back on track and back into the win column at home against the L.A. Wildcats. If you smile what the XFL is cooking. So as I mentioned, the New York Guardians got back into the win column and snapped a two-game losing streak at home defeating the L.A. Wildcats 17-14 to after Matt McLoyne started all three of the first games. He would miss this game with an injury, an in-stepped former Wildcat quarterback Luis Perez, who made his first career start. And Perez is a guy, me and Ryan Dirude, who covers the Wildcats, talked about uh, having a potential strategic advantage against the Wildcats, having been on the Wildcats earlier this season. And uh, 
Perez got the job done. I don't know if his uh, knowledge had anything to do with it, but he was efficient. 18 of 26 for 150 yards and one touchdown. But as I talked about on the show last week, uh, the supporting cast, including running back Dearis Victor, uh, and the play calling in itself really, really helped uh, Perez in his first start. The Guardians got back to how they won that first game, uh, play sound defense, get after the quarterback a bit, and uh, control the game with the running game. Uh, they ran the ball very well. Victor was arguably the pulse of the offense. He had 18 carries for 82 yards. He didn't find the end zone, but he set up all of Perez's success, in my opinion, because it then left room to set up play action and uh, really keep that defense on their toes. Uh, Perez got the job done, converting third downs, and uh, ultimately was moving the sticks left and right. The Guardians put together 19 first downs. That was the most of the season. And uh, along with Victor in the backfield, Tim Cook also helped. He had eight carries for 32 yards with two receptions for 11 yards. Um, The running game really got going. Aside from uh, Mikhail McKay catching a touchdown, there wasn't too many bright spots from the receiving game. Um, However, the Guardians really got the job done defensively. They played solid, total three sacks, um, got an interception that arguably changed the game at the end of the third quarter, and uh, blocked a field goal. Uh, They also got a little bit of luck as uh, the Wildcats kicker, Nick Novak, had a chance to tie the game late in the fourth quarter or midway through the fourth quarter, and uh, he would shank that one wide right. Uh, But nonetheless, the Guardians had a game plan and they stuck to it, although they didn't have the opening drive I talked about they would need. Uh, They were spotless after in the first half. They opened with a three and out. Perez was sacked. It looked rough around the edges, but it then followed with a field goal and then another drive that was halted at the five-yard line. They held to another field goal there, but then got in the end zone on a fade to McKay um, and really just played defense and ran the clock after that. Uh, the run game really opened up the field and helped convert those uh, 19 first downs. The offense isn't exactly where you want it to be compared to these other teams across the XFL, having only generating uh, 17 offensive points as the most that they've had. Um, and they also had a discouraging issue with a drop passes. Uh, McKay in particular could have iced the game late uh, late in the fourth quarter there, but dropped a wide open third down conversion. Uh, looked like it was going to really bite the Guardians in the butt, but they were able to per- persevere uh, behind stout defense like I mentioned before and are now all eyes on Dallas, which will be a must win for both teams. Uh, Dallas also 2-2 two and two, suffered a discouraging loss against the Houston Roughnecks 27-20. to 20. Uh, That game will be set to kick off on Saturday at 5 o'clock. But the real question for the Guardians will be, if McGloin is healthy, will he play? And my thought is no. Uh, I talked about it again with my interview with Ryan Dyrud last week. And if Perez got the start this week and things went well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, the offense was stuck in the mud with McGloin. And although it wasn't a barn burner this week with Perez, he was efficient. He was a game manager and got the job done. So with that said, although the points didn't transition, the first down conversions were significantly better, uh, having totaled the most this season. So uh, 
you're sticking with Perez, and I think if McGloin's healthy, he's just got to be ready to go as a backup. Um, with that said, I think the game changer for the Guardians this week has to be that defense. Uh, if they can get pressure on Landry Jones, who has proved to be very turnover prone this season, he's totaled seven interceptions in just three games. Uh, the Renegades themselves had five five against the Roughnecks. Uh, Jones threw three interceptions and essentially sealed the game uh, with a fumble recovery return for a touchdown. Uh, it brought the game from a 1.21 to 20 game to 27 to 20. So Jones, very, very turnover prone. And if that defense could give him some pressure and force some turnovers, and this running game continues to do what they do, I think the Guardians have a chance to go on the road and pull the road upset. Uh, with that said, they're going to need a big outing from Perez again to really just keep the ball on their side. Uh, don't turn the ball over. They had zero turnovers last week. A significant improvement. And as long as you don't beat yourself, which I felt like they did against St. Louis and they definitely did against D.C., and show up and do the opposite and generate turnovers, everything else should take care of itself for the Guardians. So an exciting and big weekend for the Guardians coming up this Saturday as well as some decisions to be made in the front offices of the Giants and Jets. Uh, we don't have much of an update here for Army and Rutgers this week, but any news and any updates to come, I'll be sure to, of course, inform all the listeners out there. But on that note, we're going to wrap the show up. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in as always every week. Please be sure to follow us at NYFootballPod on Twitter, as well as at Tino Rodriguez. You can find the Believe in New York Football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Please like, download, rate, and subscribe. Talk to you all next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 